You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck or batteries for your trail cameras, Interstate Batteries has the batteries for your everyday life. Stop into a local retail location. They have thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States. Or go and visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking GoWild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting spartanforge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. If you're wanting to know more about saddle hunting, well check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. And now, let's get to the show. All right. Today, we have got a first time. I don't know how this is the first time that this has ever happened, but it is the first time that we have ever had Chase Prince, the Iceman, the Prince, on uh, on the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Chase, how's it going down there in Florida? Oh, it's going good, man. Going good. Just got back from a, a great hunting trip uh, that you were a part of, so... 
I'm still uh, getting off of that high. Yeah, yeah, man. We couldn't be in two more different. We we had very similar situations happen, and we could not be in two more different mindsets right now because mine is not a high; it's a crash. It's a uh, it's a depression, a deer depression, if you will. Um, oh yeah, man it 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 was such a good good time. So for any if if anybody doesn't know this, I would imagine most of the people, a lot of you guys who listen to the Southern Ground Hunting podcast also listen to Chasing Tales. But Chase uh, is the co-host of Chasing Tales with our butter but butter our buddy Walter Lee. Uh, man, I. I like that a little bit better, I think. I'll just start calling him Butter. <laughs> I'm a fan of that. Uh, but uh, Chase is um, really, if we're being honest, he carries the Chasing Tails team down there in Florida. Um, we, we, we all hear Walter talk about how he doesn't get to hunt and all that kind of stuff. So Chase really has to carry the team down there. Is that right? <laughs> ah, semi-accurate. Walter's a busy man, so he's in a different situation than I am currently, and I've been hunting Florida a lot longer than he has. Okay. So we'll, we'll give him that little bit of handicap. <laughs> Definitely, he's got some <laughs> handicap to him. Um, uh, no, man, I had such a great time on the trip. Now, we, we talked with Ron. He was on the podcast episode last week, and uh, me and him were sitting at camp, and I just said, hey, Let's do a podcast together, and he really uh, dove into kind of the perspective from a new hunter, and um, and go- going in as a new hunter to hunt a state like Florida, Chase, you probably know this. That's a that's a tough place to to kind of get your feet wet. That was his first out of state hunt. Did you know that? Yes, yes, I remember around camp and stuff. He was talking about that. This was his first out-of-state hunt, and I was like, man, well, you picked, you picked a, a great one to start with. Yeah. So, it's like most people go to Missouri. It be a little easier. <laughs> people go to Missouri or Kentucky or Ohio for the first out-of-state trip, and Ron said, nah, nah, I'm going to Florida. Uh, yeah. Man, he, he's such a good dude. And if you haven't listened to that episode, guys, go and listen to that. Uh, I thought it was a great podcast. Ron did a really good job. Um, but today we're going to kind of, we're still going to talk about Florida hunting and kind of that really far, far deep, deep South style of hunting. Uh, but we're going to come at it from a different perspective. We're going to come at it from Chase's perspective of somebody who has been doing it for a very long time and has seen a lot of success. Now, Chase, a couple of years back, uh, I don't think it was, maybe it was last season, but I think it was the season before that you had, I would, what I would guess it would have to be one of the best seasons of your life. Can you kind of break that that season down for everybody? <laughs> yes, yes. The 2019 season, uh, 2020 was good for me. I'm not going to lie that 2020 wasn't good for me. I did kill my biggest deer ever in Florida last yep. year. That's right. uh, but I also had heartbreak. I had heartbreak on several deer <laughs> in 2020. Uh, one was uh, a muzzleloader malfunction. Muzzleloader didn't go off. Uh, on a really good deer, and uh, I had an issue with uh, my bow on another one, on a great Florida public land buck. That one still makes me sick uh, from last year, but definitely 2019 was a really good year for me. Uh, I was able to, I think I shot four bucks in Florida in 2019. Uh, All of them were registry, Florida registry bucks. Uh, If anybody doesn't know what a Florida registry is, that's 
a buck that scores over uh, 100 in inch, 100 inches in Florida. Um, there was only one that was like right at that 100 inch mark. Uh, the rest of them were uh, well above that. But uh, yeah, it started out on a public land quota hunt. Um, in Florida, we have quota hunts. I'm sure, like other states have, where you got to put in. I got drawn for the quota hunt. First day, first hour, went in, shot the biggest archery buck uh, that I've ever shot in the state of Florida. Uh, that was kind of a, a I'm not going to say luck, because we went in, we scouted it, and we actually happened to bump that deer with a doe uh, the day before. Okay. Uh, and I'd always heard about the bump and dump and everything else with Andre DeQuisto and all of them. And I was like, you know what? I was like, there's a chance they could come back in this area tomorrow. I'm going to come back and set in here. And I knew it was a big deer, like from them running off and everything. I knew it was, a, I knew it was a big deer. So went back in, got set up close by. I was making sure I paid attention to everything that all hunters pay attention to. What, what's the wind direction and all that stuff, kind of having an idea of where they might be coming from if they were coming back to bed. And I'd been sitting there for about an hour, hadn't seen anything. Uh, I was on a quota hunt with a buddy. He was my guest. Uh, he was seeing deer. He'd already been seeing deer uh, up to that point. And lo and behold, I look up and here pops out this doe and right in tow with her is that buck. Hmm. And uh, I was able I was able to take him uh, with my bow uh, early on. Uh, but shoot, heck, no, actually I'm wrong. I actually killed a buck on the first sit of the season. First time I'd ever done that. First opening day, first sit, uh, shot a buck. Um, it, it was, this was a buck that I hunted. It was on, this was on a private piece where I had some trail camera intel on them and stuff like that. And was, uh, I think it was actually, it was my first sit in a saddle. That was the, the first year I started hunting out of a saddle. Okay. Was, uh, 2019, started a uh, Walter got me on the saddle train. So I got in a saddle, uh, first sit in a saddle. I've seen a ton of posts. Oh, very first sit in the saddle, shoot a deer. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I, listen, I, I did that my first day, one of those people. my first day in the saddle, um, while back I shot a deer that, that very first day. So I, I'm right there with you. It was not a hundred inch buck. It was a doe, but still it, uh, it's a good feeling right. whenever that happens, whenever it all comes together like that. So, so Chase, you, you, you had a, a great season then you had shot your biggest buck ever last year, this year. Um, I know you had a buck that you didn't recover. Uh, that I would imagine was a good one, and then you shot another good one this weekend, and and you seem to be very consistent. And I've said this a lot on the podcast to uh, to our listeners over the years. I, I feel like the best deer hunters in the United States are the ones who are consistent. The, the guys consistently killing bucks, whether it be typically on public land, but even, even some private land in Florida, I know can be very difficult, but if you're consistently killing public land bucks every year on in Florida, then you're among the, a, a very small percentage of deer hunters in the United States, I believe. Um, and, and, <laughs> and that goes, that goes, you know, everybody likes to say that the, the place that they hunt, I'm sure you've heard this chase, uh, Everybody says the place that they hunt is the hardest place. You see that all over online. And, man, I don't know. I, I think everybody needs to go experience Florida and uh, then make that make that uh, determination. Oh, yeah. Well, like you said, everybody thinks that. And, 
I mean, there's some areas that I can't necessarily say that it's the toughest state to hunt because I haven't been to all of them. Sure. <laughs> so I really don't know. And region, and it can, and it can be region dependent because there are some really good areas to hunt in Florida, like the deer population better, um, and the deer number. Like I said, the deer population is better, so it just makes it to where you're you're going to be more successful because I mean you got more targets. Terrain's probably a little bit better. Um, there's like features that funnel deer more. Um, there are places like that in Florida. Um, as a whole, I mean, yes, I would say it's it's a really difficult state to hunt. I'm not necessarily going to say it's the the hardest place to hunt, but the, a lot of the guys that I see getting it done are just, I mean, they're diehards. They're yeah. they're the ones that are out there year round. Uh, they they know what the deer are doing, and it, they just the time. A lot of them is like I think I've heard you mention before, and I've said it a ton. Is like the more time you can spend in the woods, obviously the more success you're eventually going to have, mm-hmm. uh, and you just start to figure things out. Yeah, and I think that a lot of my success is kind of like yours. I mean, we just spend a lot of time in the woods. Yeah, I mean, we spend a lot of time in the woods. We're out hunting a lot, um, but uh, I mean, there are things that I mean I don't necessarily enjoy. Uh, for Florida is like early season when it's a hundred degrees out in the evening time, you got tons of mosquitoes, you got snakes, you got alligators. I mean, you got all that stuff mixed in there Yeah, <laughs> that, that add to it as well. Things Some that of that stuff you don't you. necessarily have to worry about. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to necessarily worry about, uh, in other States, but I will say it, it is a difficult place to hunt. Um, mainly because it's just a lot of monotonous terrain Yeah, and the be- the deer can pretty much bed anywhere. <laughs> yeah it's um, thick man i mean and that makes it difficult where where we were at and and uh try not to we'll try not to give away too terribly much but where we were at was literally the thickest probably the thickest junk that i have ever hunted in my entire life not all of it but the parts that i was really concentrating on first while i was using my boat i i, I just eventually gave up because i could not i couldn't get through it it was too thick and, um, and like you're talking about thousands of acres that's right there that a deer could bed in any single one of them. I mean, on every square foot of that property is like, oh, that would be a great place for a deer to bed down at. And so it was just hard to, to determine some of that stuff. But there are things that I think we began to figure out and chase. I'm sure I want to, I want to dive into, into this pretty quickly because um the 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 area where you killed your buck at this week uh was very similar to the area where I missed probably the biggest buck that I've had a shot at this year um and that's <laughs> that's uh that's I've seen some pretty big deer this year in Kentucky and on a draw hunt in Alabama a deer that I missed um like I've I've seen some pretty big deer. I don't know that I have seen a bigger deer from the tree than the one that I missed in flipping Florida. Um, <laughs> but but as I I was I was looking through my map, it, it was actually kind of funny, Chase, because I was uh, I was talking to Ron. I believe it was Ron. It may have been somebody else. And I was saying, you know, here's a spot that I want to check out, but I don't want to. I didn't know where you were at tracking your deer, and I didn't want to go in and push a potential uh you know deer that wasn't quite dead yet 
And so I started looking at my map and showing Ron some of the places that I was wanting to look. And I was like, I really kind of want to go into this area. And he's like, well, that's exactly where Chase is at. Um, <laughs> and so, and as I'm looking at it, you know, it set up almost identical to the place that I, that I ended up getting a shot at, uh, this big buck. So, um, I kind of want to dive into, into that and, and really touch on some of the things that you're looking at when you're hunting places like Florida. So typically Chase, what, just kind of describe the type of areas, whether it's, you know, if, if it's swampy, um, obviously it's probably not ridgy really in a lot of the places that you hunt, but kind of describe the areas that you, that you hunt. Right. Well, a lot of the places that I hunt are going to be a lot of your like pine flats. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a lot of pine flats. Uh, you got some hardwoods, uh, swamp. I don't hunt a ton of swamp areas. Um, and pot kind of like the place where, I mean, that was kind of, some of that was new for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't hunt that a lot. Um, but I do hunt a, a ton of pines down here where I'm at, where I hunt, do a majority of my hunting. Uh, there's a ton of, uh, pines, like a lot of your short pines that just have all that thick underbrush in there. A lot of the broom sage, briars, all of that, uh, which makes it difficult because you can go, you can say, Hey, that's a bedding area, but you can't ever go. I'm going to go hunt that buck on his bed. I mean, it's just vast areas of pines, like whatever, 10,000 acres, 15,000. I mean, it's, it's just big areas of pines. Uh, which make it really difficult. Like I said, there's there's not a lot of terrain uh, in Florida or or whatever elevation in Florida. I mean, two feet of elevation would be a huge change yeah. <laughs> in Florida as uh-huh. opposed to where places like you hunt. Uh, so it's just flat. It's flat everywhere, and it's it's hard uh, to find areas like when they talk about the Midwest. Like, oh, I'm hunting this saddle, or I'm hunting this funnel. Like really good funnels. I mean, there are ways to make for there to be funnels in Florida, there's just not a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm looking at a map, I mean, I try to find those things, um, features, but I mean, I've heard you talk about this a lot on your podcast and things like that. It's like where three or more different things kind of come together. Mm-hmm. Where you might have a swamp, some pines, some hardwoods, uh, kind of come together. Um, I like looking at those areas. Um, when I'm scouting, honestly, I don't do as much e-scouting as everyone else does. I mean, I do e-scout, but I don't spend hours and hours looking at it. I'm more, I've always kind of been a guy that likes to go look at it first, like boots on the ground, Mm -hmm. uh, do, do scouting like that. Um, because I mean, some of these maps are, you look at them, they're, they're not, they're old. So when you get there, you're like, this looks nothing like I thought it would, uh, on the map. And that's kind of, That'll, that'll kind of set you back some, but, um, this particular place, uh, there were areas that I could look on the map and I'm like, okay, I feel like this is how the deer would be moving there. You know, it's, uh, and it's interesting to hear you say, interesting to hear you say that about, you know, e-scouting and not spending a ton of time doing it. And I, I am the same way with the exception of places that I've spent a lot of time at. Um, here at home, right? I will, I'll, because I know typically on the maps, if I can look at a map, I can kind of have a pretty good idea of what that's going to look like. Um, just because I know the, I know what we have here and I know what each feature looks like on 
whatever map uh, on on Spartan Forge or Onyx or uh, Hunt Stand, Google Earth, I can pretty well tell what each thing is. Now, when I go to a new place like the place we were at in Florida, uh, it's completely different. And I'm a lot like you in that way. I I didn't spend a ton of time just scouring maps before I got there. I spent more time thinking about okay. Um, uh, when I, once I get there, these are the spots that I'm going to go and look at. Not necessarily because I wanted to hunt there, but because I wanted to see what it is. And then, right after being there for two days of scouting, then I can go to my Spartan Forge, open that up, and look at it and say, okay, that's what this is. This is whatever, you know, uh, this is oaks, or this is a swamp, or this is just grass. Because sometimes you just you just don't know until you see it. You can look at a marsh and think it's a hayfield. Sometimes and it's just right. It's so hard to tell unless you've been there and you know what it looks like. Um, so, are there things for you, Chase, that transfer over from uh, like where you hunt typically and the place where we we hunted at this week, which was a little more swampy? Uh, yeah, there are some. I mean. I feel like uh, a lot of them like to use uh, the swamp edges Mm -hmm. or they will find dry areas within the swamp uh, in those areas. Um, They'll they'll bed in those areas. They'll use those as kind of like funnels. Like I mentioned, Uh, that'll be their funnel (laughs) is in those swamps. Uh, Especially, I mean, sometimes it's really wet where I'm at and sometimes it dries up. Yeah. So if you can, if you know that historically, you can go in there and go, okay, well, I, I know this, this little ridge is in here and they're going to be using this ridge. Yeah. Uh, and that, that has, uh, knowing that down here, uh, helps me where we were hunting at. Now, whenever Once I got and took a look at it, whenever I, the place where I ended up shooting at that buck, um, I had, it, it, it lays out very similar to where you shot your deer at. And I'm going to try to pull them up really quick so I can uh, have them here as a reference. But what it does is you can start to tell. And I will say Spartan Forge is an, is exceptionally better um, in places like this where you have water and swamps and you need that, that really, really good detail. Uh, it's it's yeah, just exceptionally yeah. better in finding those like like land bridges and funnels that you're talking about that go between swamps and the the place where I ended up being at was I mean majority water like it was tons and tons of water everywhere and if if you're just kind of looking at it even on a map in some places it looks like I don't even know if I could walk through that but once I went and looked at it it was you know you'd have like five feet of water, or I'm I'm sorry, like three feet of water, and then it shallows up in little areas that are, you know, maybe six inches of water. It all looks like water, but some of it's more shallow, and I ended up, the buck that I shot at came right through the water, right on the edge in the shallowest, shallowest part that there was right there between a pond and me, and and all the does were kind of funneling through that same, like you're talking about, using that edge just the same way as they would uh, a uh, an edge of pines or something like that where I'm at and maybe similar to where where you're at where you have maybe a palmetto flat and uh, an oak ridge kind of coming together they'll they'll follow that edge 
And as you look at it on the map, and, and even when you go and look at it in person, it really doesn't look all that impressive because there's only so many places that a deer can go through there. But, Chase, was it? did you find that, that those type of areas just seemed to be covered in more sign, more concentrated sign, even though there was less, maybe less options for a deer to get around? Those little small spots like that seemed to be maybe kind of tucked away and hidden. Yeah, there, there was a lot of sign in those areas. And like I think you mentioned when you were talking with Ron, I mean, we were on that the Patreon hunt that we held this past weekend. And it was good going back to camp and talking to a lot of the guys there because a lot of those guys were having the same thing. Like, that's what they were seeing too, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of back that up. And I don't know, I'm sure early season, they probably weren't doing that as much. I mean, yeah. once with a lot of the pressure that's been on that place this year, um, I think it probably made it to where that's why they were using those areas more uh, because of that. But, yeah, I did find what you're talking about. There there was a lot of sign in those areas. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard to kind of figure out, like, okay, where are they making the sign? Um, and some mm-hmm. of those areas you're not going to see, like, a ton of scrapes. Yeah. things like that like you're just you're just not going to see that um uh, some of the area like it, but a lot of the pine flats and stuff that i hunt down here there'll be scrapes everywhere like you'll literally see scrapes and rubs just everywhere and up there it was more just concentrated sign as mm-hmm. opposed to just random yeah um where it may be down here where you're like oh there's a rub here there's a rub over there there it was like okay you, nothing 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 oh here here's a here's a cluster of rubs and maybe a scrape uh, nearby mm-hmm. and the area I was on, it was kind of like that. Um, I just, I mean, I, I kind of east scouted that area. The funny part about <laughs> with me is I had another spot in mine that morning and there was a truck <laughs> already there and I knew there wasn't a lot of options in that area. So <laughs> I was like, ah, let me look at the map. So I looked at the map and I was like, I went down <laughs> to the next gate basically. And I was like, I was like, man, this looks really good on the map. And like I said, I'm not a map guy, but that point, I'm just like, you know what? This looks really good on the map. Uh, I'm going to go in there. And I don't see, I don't have a problem. A lot of people like to go in like well before daylight. And I get it on some of these um, hunts, kind of like we were on. Um, you, you're trying to be the first person to your spot, things like that. But to me, if, if it's an area that I had never been to before, it doesn't bother me walking in like right at daylight. Yeah. Honestly, I've killed more deer doing that probably than anything else uh is going in at that time like once i kind of got to the area i wanted i can easily pick my tree out at that point i'm not like trying to look with a headlamp trying to figure out what tree uh, i'm going to get in uh and then i just happened to see some sign in that area and i was like okay yeah there's some rubs in here there's a scrape right here there's a, a scrape over there and i'm like you know what i'm i'm gonna set up uh right over here because of how the, the wind and everything else was working that way that day so that's why i went and that's why i decided to set up where i did Hmm. do you find chase that in florida that fresh sign like that is valuable to hunt over and i say that let me let me kind of preface it with this in alabama we've talked about this on the podcast before like scrapes and stuff like that just never really seemed to produce a lot on public land because um a lot of times the bucks are not really hitting those in the daylight do you find that to be uh, kind of different than that in Florida? 
Um, it can be hit or miss uh, in Florida as far as hunting over sign. Uh, the thing that I kind of knew about this is that it's the rut. Yeah. So that, that kind of changes things a little bit for me uh, with it being the rut. And I saw the sign there, which I was going to hunt that area anyways um, at that point. Uh, but I just liked how it set up for the rut. <laughs> it was yeah. just, to me, it looked like an area, like a good rut area to where bucks would probably cruise uh, through there. Mm-hmm. So that, that was also a factor on why I decided to, to try that spot as well. Um, cause with the rut, like in Florida with the rut, I mean, as kind of how we're describing it, I mean, anything can happen. A deer could, could come by and had never been by that spot before Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, because, because of how it is. And I, that, and I, the funny part was, is after I told a bunch of people where I was hunting, there was so many people that had said that they had scouted that the day before. Really? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I went in there. Yeah, I went in there. Yeah, we, dude, we, we scouted that area yesterday. Nah, nah, nah. I'm like, okay, well, why didn't you hunt it? And they were like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't see any sign because they're all, they're all, a lot of the guys are like, oh, I gotta have the sign, I gotta have the sign, which I don't, I don't have to have the sign mm-hmm. there. Um, because like I said, there, there's concentrated sign, but those deer are still moving. Yeah. Everywhere else, they're just not leaving sign in that particular spot, but. There was sign in there. They just, I don't know if they just, they weren't looking in the same spot or whatever, but there was sign there. Um, and it, and it kind of had looked like maybe some other hunters had been in there. I mean, it was a, it was a small parcel right there, mm-hmm. um, for that piece. And uh, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you you, you could have hunted there. If your truck would have been there, I would have hunted somewhere else. You know what I mean? <laughs> you day. didn't come kill my butt, so, Chase. That was my yeah, butt. Yeah, you killed you, you kill my deer, but no, none of them said I killed a deer. They just, I just thought it was interesting that it was like three or four different people that had said that they had physically scouted that area. <laughs> That's funny. And they all decided to hunt somewhere else. Huh. It's interesting. I mean, and, and it's hard in some places. You got places that have just a lot of deer, and and it's hard to, like, there were spots out there, man, where you'd find just these beat-down crazy trails um, I mean, I say there's spots. There was pretty much it seemed like everywhere, and so it was hard to really, it was hard to really decide what makes this spot better than the other spot. And I kind of went back to my roots, which it sounds like maybe you did too. I kind of went back to my roots over, of of features, terrain features, and vegetation kind of, uh, and and habitat diversity kind of takes, uh, takes the cake on these type of hunts where right. it, it just seemed like there was deer sign everywhere, deer sign tracks and trails. Uh, so I kind of started concentrating more on the, the habitat and the, the funnels and the, the swamps and the edges of the water really was kind of King for me on, on this hunt. Now describe to us the, the, the hunt ex- itself, like what happened, uh, maybe, maybe break down the area and what it looked like and uh, how the deer moved through there. Okay, well, uh, this area uh, that I went to, it was actually, it actually bordered private. Um, It bordered uh, a chunk of private, and uh, there was a big pond uh, on that section as well. And there was a spot, because I brought my bow, and I knew that when you're bow hunting, I mean, you kind of got to pinch deer down. I mean, especially 
in Florida, I mean, there's areas I knew I could go hunt and probably see deer, but I'm not going just to see deer. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to be able to kill a deer. And, uh, I, I just knew that some of those areas, and a lot of times it happens in Florida. I mean, you, you can't, you can get frustrated because like I said, they can go anywhere, but I figured I was like, all right, I need this place. It really pinches the deer down right here. There's, there was a big pond, uh, that was kind of along the edge between that and the private. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, okay, a deer, a buck cruising may come through this area to get from point A to point B. Uh, they're going to have to come cruising through this area. And I felt like that was, cause there were, there were some pines, there were some planted pines on the private. And I figured I was like, well, that might be a, a bedding area uh, for does, um, maybe some bucks and across uh, the street Slater will get into um it was it was real thick as well and i felt like that could be bedding so i was like well they might be cruising back and forth through here um and i i really need to find an area where i can i feel like i got good odds to get a shot mm-hmm. and i got set up when i got set up it was funny you know sometimes you get set up and you're you're looking at one particular spot and you're going okay if i'm going to shoot a deer in here it's going to be right there yeah <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna be right there, and I said that to myself. But the funny part was, is right, right when I, I kind of got set up and stuff, and I looked and I saw something black, like through the woods, and I was like, ah, oh, I was like, I hope that's a hog, <laughs> and it wasn't. It was cows. <laughs> they were, oh, no. they were like right on top of me, right by the private, and I'm like, oh man, it was, it, it was probably, I don't know, eight to ten cows <laughs> that were right there. And they just they just kind of funneled through. They didn't stick around. It wasn't like they were sticking around right beside me. Uh, they just funneled through the area and kind of went on. And I'd been sitting there probably about 45 minutes, maybe, 45 minutes to an hour. And I happened, I, there was a few little holes I could see off in a distance. Uh, and I could see a doe. It was, I'd find I was like, oh, okay, well, I've at least seen a deer in this spot. Um <laughs> There, there are deer in this area, and I could see this doe. She was kind of working her way. Um, she was kind of headed towards the pond, actually. And a lot of the stuff where we had kind of figured out is like a lot of these deer would bed on the edge of these ponds mm-hmm. and some thick stuff right on the edge of the pond. So she was kind of headed back of that direction, and I'm looking at her, and I kind of lost her for a second, and then caught her again. And then all of a sudden, I could see something kind of a lot closer to me, and I was like, "Dang, is that that doe? Did that doe already get?" to me because i had some brush and stuff in the way and it was it was a little bit thicker in there um and there, there were some hardwoods mixed in with some pines uh right there where i was at and all of a sudden i saw a flash and i saw antlers and i was like okay that's definitely not the doe that i was looking at <laughs> and it was a decent buck as soon as i saw it, i was like oh that's a decent buck and uh, i was like all right well i was like and i was like he's headed exactly to where i thought i might shoot a deer <laughs> and sure enough he comes and I get drawn back because I'm thinking he's coming right now. I drew back, and it's one of those ones where he stops, and he, like, puts his head down. He was kind of like – I don't think – he wasn't really – I don't think he was in for a doe or something. I think there was, there was like, some acorns or something kind of in that area uh-huh. that he kind of, like, picked up real quick. And he's, he's behind there. I'm still holding the bow, still holding the bow. And I'm like, well, I don't want to let it down. He was close. I mean, he was within 25 yards at that point. Um, and – Finally, 
he breaks to the spot where I'm like, okay, there's my opening. Cause I had an opening right there. Uh, grunt at him, take the shot. And immediately when I hit him, he was about 24, 25 yards. Immediately when I hit him, I was like, Ooh, that's, that's not a good shot. <laughs> like mm. I knew it was back slightly low and I'm like, Oh, well, um, but I knew, I knew it was a fatal shot. I just knew, I knew that he probably, it was going to be one of those ones where you're going to have to wait it out. Mm-hmm. Um, he ran, the deer actually, the weird part, he ran probably 30 yards from me and, or no, 40 yards. He ran 40 yards from me and he bed down on a tree, right by, right in a tree, kind of in the open. And I can see him, but there is a bush in the way stopping me from getting a second shot. Mm-hmm. And he bedded down there for probably 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh man, I was like, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna get be able to get, get a second shot at him. My only hope was, was like, well, maybe he'll get up and for for some weird reason he'll go back the way that he came. And he got up and he went about ten yards and bedded down real quick again. But I still had no shot. Um, it was really thick in that area. And uh, I'd actually called Walter and I was like, hey, I was like, I put a bad shot on this deer. Um, somebody may need to come in from the other side and try to dispatch him uh, real quick before he goes anywhere else. Well, Walter came and the deer was already gone. He had already gotten up and left by the time Walter, um, got there. And as soon as we went down to where the shot site was, I mean, there was like, there was stomach matter, st- like the stuff like that all over the ground. I could see something hanging out of the bottom of them. Mm. And I was like, so I called, uh, one of my dog buddies that we have that's a member of our patreon uh he was actually moving that weekend so he couldn't get up there to hunt and he was like ah because i thought i was like i thought maybe there was a chance that i'd caught liver as well like looking at some of the blood mm-hmm. like it was like maybe i caught some of the liver right there uh so he's like well and i knew i was like even with a the liver they're like oh, you give it at least six hours uh on a liver shot and then gut shot i know it was like 15 like a lot of people want to go look for one till the mm-hmm. next day uh, on a gut shot deer so we we kind of tracked them out to this like fire break and i was like all right we're 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 just gonna back out um because i mean the blood trail was incredible <laughs> anyways i mean there was a great blood trail yeah but just in, my initial thoughts was like no the shot's bad we I just need to back out on this deer would you chase recommend for people after your experience with this one would you say six hours is still the number or would you say like, I, I feel like it's kind of hard to a lot of times tell if you hit guts or liver. Um, and I, right. I tend to default to like eight to 10 hours. Uh, is that, do you feel like right. that would have been a more valuable decision for you? Uh, I, I feel like my, you know what my initial decision was, was, to not even come back until like even longer than that, <laughs> like almost 12 hours, yeah. um, honestly, or the next day, because I was like, I was like, I don't know if I caught, I was like, if I caught liver, just a little bit of it. And he was quartering towards me as well. So I was like, uh, I was like, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I was like, I probably should just back out, uh, till the next morning. But then you get back to camp, you got all these people at camp going, Oh man, yeah. I'm sure you got them there or I'm sure you got them there. They weren't there, yeah. but they're listening to what you're saying. And of course they're all like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll give them six hours. 
<laughs> and uh, that that ended up being a, a bad decision <laughs> going back after six hours. <laughs> Six hours was that not the right choice. Oh, Six man. hours was not enough. And and y'all had kind of a debacle too at here when y'all went back to him. That I I want to hear how you tell it because the way I heard it, um, I, I feel like it was probably a little bit more Three Stooges like than than they told it to me. <laughs> uh, no, I, I honestly I don't think it was Three Stooges like. Um, it was more of like really a lot of us hadn't been in that situation before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like necessarily been in that situation. Um, there, there was a bunch of the guys from the Patreon hunt. They all wanted to help me go look for the deer, which was great. I'm like, yes, the more, the more, the merrier, uh, come on. And we kind of had it set up because we knew there was potential for the deer to still be alive. Um, and people had their guns. So we were like, okay, let's just, just, if you're still alive, let's try to get this deer down. Cause I knew it was a fatal hit no yeah. matter what, just looking at the sign on the ground and everything. I was like, it's definitely a fatal hit. It's where <clears throat> if he dies in six hours or if he dies in 24 hours, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, like he, he's definitely going to die. Um, so we went back in, uh, there was probably four of us on the blood trail. We had a couple that were kind of on the other side to where we thought he might go up and try to bed on that big pond. It was really thick around that pond. So, I mean, and a lot of times, I don't know if it's 100% true, gut shot deer, go to water. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking, okay, well, there's water right here. And we started on the blood trail. We had good blood. Um, we followed a good blood trail to this one area. We had kind of lost it for a second. But Walter, who was, he was on the other side. And just in case we pushed the deer, uh, he was sitting up there. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh. I saw he had seen movement in um, right along the pond in this thick, nasty stuff with a big dead down with a big tree that was dead down right by the pond. He's like, "Oh, there's a deer in there," <laughs> and the blood trail was the blood trail was leading to there, mm-hmm. right to that spot. So that's that's kind of when things got a little bit shaky. Um, him not knowing where one of our one of the guys was in our party because he could have taken a shot at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an opportunity, but he didn't know where somebody was, and which is good. You never want to shoot when you don't know where everybody's at. Yeah. And uh, he definitely had an opening where he's like, I definitely could have shot the deer at like 40 yards. And he didn't take the shot. The deer's still in there. But at this point, he'd kind of lost it because it, it, it was moving in there, but it was super thick right where he was moving at. So <laughs> this is where it gets hairy is, Walter has a gun. <laughs> there was a couple of us that didn't have a gun. <laughs> and we're down there. Well, Walter decides to kind of like push in to where the deer's at. He keeps pushing in to where the deer's at. And he actually steps on the tree that was down. Steps on the tree. And he's making a ton of noise. Like, there's no way to be quiet to uh-huh. get to that spot at all. And he still can't see the deer. He can't see the deer. I mean, we've got it covered pretty much everywhere else except Walter's spot where he was at. There's no one currently where Walter was. And he takes like one more step in. We had another guy that went in and he was kind of pushing too. Sorry. Excuse me. And when Walter got just a little bit too close, the deer shoots out, almost runs Walter over 
almost basically linebackers Walter <laughs> at this point. And Walter is not ready, doesn't have his gun ready. And the deer pushes through him. There was another guy that was kind of on the outside. He took a couple of shots at him. Walter took a shot at him. And, but the deer kept booking it up. Like, it looked like he had a, whatever, a six gear <laughs> running across. Holy cow. And he crosses the road, and then he gets on to private land, which is like your worst nightmare as a hunter yeah. <laughs> when you're hunting public land. Now you got to get permission <laughs> to go in there. Um, fortunately, fortunately, at that point, I knew I was like, okay, well, we're done, hundred percent done, looking for the deer for the day. <laughs> yeah, um, we're 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 definitely going to have to give this deer a lot more time. I mean, it was in the afternoon at that point, anyways. So, luckily, I was able. I pulled up Spartan Forge, and you could see the owners of the properties. And on that particular piece, there was another piece that was across the road from that that had the same name on it and it actually had like a house on it. So I was able to go up to the house, talk to the person there and they they're like, yeah, you can go on uh, the property. So I was like, okay. So the next day is when I was like, all right, well, we're just going to wait till the next day and then we'll go in and uh, start to look for the deer. So, so just to kind of, I guess, speed us along in here. Um, the next day I shot, I shot my buck the same day that you shot yours. I just shot it that evening. And so, um, I, right. had, I had thought that I hit the deer and I'm, I'm still not a hundred percent sure that I did not hit it. Uh, I'm about 70% sure that I didn't hit it, that I missed. But, um, there are pieces to my story that, uh, it really, really seemed like I hit the deer. Um, but that's a story for another day, but. When I got into the tree, I went back and hunted the same spot the next morning because I was going to go and, and look for blood and try to find the deer that day after I hunted. Well, I heard coyotes over where you were hunt where your your deer was at. Uh, coyotes were right. going nuts over there. Um, were you were you concerned about that? Did you feel like the deer was going to stay alive? Uh, were you concerned about coyotes, or was it? just kind of and because i think that's something that usually holds a lot of people back from giving the deer the amount of time that they probably should is because coyotes is that something that you were considering uh when the first time i went in uh no not really um i figured with the with letting it stay overnight um i'm i'm usually not worried about in my area i'm not as concerned about coyotes okay uh getting on the deer within whatever a day because uh, i've let them sit overnight before and gone to the deer and they're they're still pristine i mean nothing had touched them uh by the time i get to them but speaking of like when i found my deer it, the coyotes had been on them hmm. by the time i got to them okay i, I wasn't sure if yeah. they had been or not and and i feel pretty confident that's probably where the coyotes that i was hearing were probably right over there at your deer because they were that direction they were howling like crazy, there was a bunch of them. Um, yeah. So they had already they'd already got. Now, where did your deer? How? Where did you actually find it at? <laughs> he he made it to a swamp. Like and we tracked him for a long ways. If anybody, I mean, we spent there was probably five of us and spent four and a half hours blood trailing uh, the the deer, and it didn't look like he ever bedded down. 
in between where when we bumped him that first time to where we found him dead. It's like it looked like he had definitely had a destination in mind and where he was going, and it was possibly a, pe- a place where he beds. Yeah. Um, it was a, we went to the swamp, and there, kind of almost in the middle of it, was this dry patch of uh, area, this dry area, right in the middle of it. And that's where he was dead. Was was right in the middle of where that dry patch was. Were you still and on private? It looked like there were. Yes, barely still on private. Okay. <laughs> At that's that crazy. point. Yeah, we were right on the border of uh, the public and private. Holy but yeah, God. he was in a swamp. But if you looked at that swamp on Spartan Forge, it looked dry. It looked like it would be dry. Uh huh. But it wasn't dry. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't deep. I mean, I went and got them. I mean, I was probably it was probably a little over uh, a foot deep. Yeah. The water was to get to them, and there was one little dry area. One little dry area in the center of it, and that's where he was. Man. Because <laughs> we last found blood, it was like a white patch of sand and one drop of blood leading into the whole swamp. Dude, that is such a crazy story, and I think it, it's good in a lot. I mean, we talked a little bit of tactic and getting started, but I mean, y'all really stayed after it. I think a lot of people in those type of situations they would they would uh, kind of give up. And uh, I think it's it's pretty cool that you guys didn't that you stuck with it, stayed on him, and I mean that was probably one of the highlights of my weekend was getting that text message. Uh, I think Brett Mashburn is who who texted us and said we got him. And uh, man, for right. as crappy as that day was for me, leaving and driving home without the big buck that I saw. It was uh, it was equally as awesome getting that text that you had killed one because I know this season you had kind of a a different type season right like you didn't get to hunt nearly as much. Yeah, this was a weird. This is probably the weirdest season for me as far as getting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a lot of overtime at work. Uh, my daughter, she's gotten older and she's playing sports now and just doing the sports thing and working overtime and. Uh, stuff like that, I just have not got out nowhere near as much mm-hmm. as I normally would. And I had a, like I said, I had a, a mishap on a deer where I hit a vine uh, early during archery uh, down where I hunt and got a deflection off of a vine, hit the deer in the front shoulder, um, never recovered it. I didn't think I would. I mean, from where I saw it, didn't get full pass through on the deer or anything like that. It was it was a really solid sport of deer uh, that I shot at. Uh, went to Missouri. I did go to Missouri uh, for a week. Uh, saw a lot of deer, just never saw the deer uh, th- that I wanted to see. And then after I got back from Missouri, like really, I I had probably hunted once or twice uh, between November and when we went on this hunt. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is very odd for me. I would normally have hunted 20 <laughs> plus times, 20 or 30 yeah. plus times in, in that amount of time. Uh, so it was just a suspend away. And I actually honestly thought I was like, well, I'm probably not going to kill a deer this year. Um, which would be, I mean, the first time ever I would have not killed a deer during the season. <laughs> uh, and, and I was okay with that. Honestly. Um, I've been trying to help some other people down here that are, uh, with hunting and stuff like that. And just, I've been, I've been going back and forth with people about hunting and stuff like that. Just hadn't spent the time in the woods 
that I normally would mm-hmm. uh, this year. So, and we still got I still got time here in Florida. Yeah, uh, there <laughs> there's still time here in Florida. Uh, fortunately for Florida, it's got like the longest season possible. If you start in South Florida, it starts August first, and way out in the Panhandle, it ends in March, I think. So <laughs> there's Dang. there's plenty of time and opportunity uh, to go hunting still for me. Chase, um, but I I, to I me, what's that? I was gonna say I don't know if I told you or not, but uh, my wife, I, I believe she's already tired of me crying about that buck, and she's told me to go back before the season ends. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you better uh, you better take that when you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot. It was really I was like, are you serious? Is this a trick? Are you are you playing me right now? She's like, no, you need to go do it. Go kill one. I know you want to kill a Florida deer. I'm like. I love you so much. You're how did I? How did I get so lucky? Um, uh, that's one of the the things I'm fortunate with is my my wife kind of lets me hunt as much as I want to. Yeah. So I know a lot of guys aren't in that situation, um, but that, Chase, that's probably one of the main reasons I'm able to. Maybe it's <laughs> that other guys' wives like them more than our wives like us. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm like, well, she probably just wants a break for me, you know, <laughs> like, or whatever. Like, it's a, it's a good break. I mean, it kind of like gives you where you don't really. They're like, oh yeah. I mean, she's she's very independent. I'm independent as well, so it kind of works. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, she, she doesn't need to be entertained by me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she can do her own thing. That's good. So I think that's kind of what it is. Is she's she's really independent and doesn't have a problem with it. Well, that's cool, man. I again. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and thanks for talking to us about this hunt and kind of your hunting style. Um, guys, go check out Chase and Tells. Hear more from Chase on a weekly basis. I know it was uh, it was fun to finally get to meet you, Chase, and uh, get to share a camp together. And uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful that it's not the last one. And uh, man, you've uh, you've definitely got uh, you got the respect of Southern ground because. Man, after having hunted Florida now for a few years, seeing people like you do it consistently on a regular basis is just uh, nothing short of impressive, dude. So, um, (laughs) good luck. I appreciate that. Good luck and keep keep doing it. (laughs) Keep doing it. I love watching it. Oh, yeah. I'm never going to stop. I still feel like I'm learning stuff every time I go out to the woods. Uh, I told a buddy the other day, he's like, oh, maybe one day I'll be a good hunter like you or whatever. I mean, I was, everybody's in a different situation. Yeah. People get to go out more than others, things like that. And I'm like, man, I'm still learning so many things mm-hmm. uh, every year. And it, once there's times where I think I know what the deer are doing, and then I'm completely off. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just one of those things, man. I just enjoy doing it so much. It's, it's not going to de- deter me. Uh, and I just like figuring things out. So I, so I get out there and get after it. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, again, good luck for the rest of the season, dude. And, uh, man, we'll have to get you on again uh, really soon. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout-out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. And make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. 
Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.